Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. And I'm refusing to leave, and the one guy ends up taking out a gun. Oh <gasps> my god. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm just being over peppy so that Uh I don't crumble into a corner because it is Father's Day and it is the first Father's Day since my dad went and died. Went and, oh, geez. Seriously. And I didn't. So rude. I Rude. The audacity. (laughs) And I didn't realize or really appreciate how much advertising you get shoved down your throat for these events absolutely which you know all about but i was like if one more email comes through that tells me what my dad might like i just Mm -hmm. want to start replying and be like he's dead right yeah and i did tell i told Lindsay's like what can i do and i was like you could get me an ice cream cake and have it say sorry your dad's dead oh that's nice yeah i thought that would be really nice should i get that for my kids too (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe we could all and like Lindsay's dad has passed away like when she was oh my younger. God. So So you're coming we, over today, so let's go get a cake that says that. That's how I know. hilarious. That says, Sorry. I didn't know if your kids would find it funny, but No, they really would. They would. Yeah. Because if you're not laughing, you're crying. Right? That's really funny. Okay, we need to do that. Yeah, it's hard. I've had a lot of Father's Day gifts coming home and they'll either say to grandpa or to mom. And yeah. thankfully, like, the school and the daycare is really good at asking me ahead of time, like what yeah. they should do. And I was like, just talk to my kids and ask them what they're comfortable with. And I, I know my daughter's teacher emailed me and I was like, she's open, like just ask her what she wants to do. And so she made hers for me, yeah. um, which was really cute. But yeah, it sucks. It really sucks. It's really hard to navigate. And it's interesting because... When you have your dad or you have your kids' dads, those holidays are so easy. It's just like, happy Father's Day. Everyone's happy. But then you don't really realize the other side of it and the other people who are struggling until it's happened to you. Yeah. So it does really open your eyes to see like how many people are struggling on a day like this. If they've lost their dad, they don't have a good relationship with their dad, They all these things. So yeah, it's great. Great. I had to write down, I have a note that says, dream about Michelle Guitar Star. Oh. So I had a dream the other day and it was very detailed and I'm going to try to recall it. But I went to your house and you were like, I created something. Oh. So I was like, oh, what did you create? And you gave me like a fully printed, published 
magazine and it was really thick and it was all like glossy. When did I have time and to do this? And I can't remember. I don't know, to be honest, but <laughs> it was beautiful. And like, how did you have so much content to put in a magazine that was just yeah. for our podcast? And you were on the cover, but you were like rocking a guitar, like think Rolling Stones, like where you're doing a riff. I don't even know guitar lingo, yeah, but you yeah, were like yeah. leaning back. <laughs> and i think it just had our podcast title on it and then like in the pages were like advertisements for our guests and i was like wow this is wow very thorough boost magazine and it was so funny that was really rude of me not to put you on the cover as well yeah that was the next thing i was gonna bring up Yeah, but I was like, oh, are we publishing this magazine? Like, we were going to now have a magazine. That is so funny. Guess what? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. I, I love like dreams like that because you wake up and you're like, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> what, and that you want to remember it. You're, it was yeah. like four in the morning when I woke up. Yeah. That's so funny. Yesterday, when I was at work, I jaunted over to the grocery store to pick up what some... A, what does a jaunt look like? Just like a little... I'd say it's like a mix between a brisk walk and a skip, maybe. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna something like that. that later. Yeah. <laughs> I went in because we needed ketchup and rice, which is random. And then when I came out, they were having a little barbecue and they had a smoky and chips and a drink for $5. So I was like... Yes, please, I'll take one. And as I was buying it, this lady was like, are you from the I did not sign up for this podcast? And I was like, yes, I am. Oh, my God. (laughs) And she like recognized us, uh, like me and our podcast. And I was like, OMG, that's so exciting. When she said so wild. And I had like all these things in my hand. She's like, oh, you have your hands full. And she's like, literally and metaphorically or whatever. And I was like, as in. I yeah, a children. And then she said, like, keep doing good work. And I was like, OMG, you're so sweet. That's so nice. And you don't know her. No, her name was Julie. Uh, or Julia. Julie? Yeah. Julie, Julia from the hot dog stand. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> well, like from the, from the thing. I think she either worked for Sobeys or worked for the Sheep River Trust, which was who was doing the who the donations were going to. Oh, okay. It wasn't like Julie's hot dog stand. No, <laughs> it was for charity. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. I know. It was really cute. And I, so I came back to work and I was like, you guys, I got recognized and I got a smoky. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very exciting that's day. That's incredible. I, yeah. I went to CrossFit, you guys, two times <gasps> this past week. Bow, bow, bow. That's so exciting. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I, yeah, I felt it. It was a lot. It was hard, but I loved it. But then this girl was like working out in the CrossFit class and I really loved her tank top. Do you know what I love is like a high neck tank top. Oh yeah. yeah. Because I don't want my arms to be covered because it's, I want the air, but like, I also don't want my ladies out because I'm not like a chesty shower you used so, to be a chesty shower yeah i know it's when i was trying to follow the like straight agenda yeah. and like i thought i had to be ultra feminine yeah. but then now what i realized is i really love a high neckline yeah and you're like um, the duggers <laughs> yeah i am i am just like the duggers <laughs> And uh-huh. so she was working out and halfway through the workout, we were dying. We were doing a workout called Fran. 
It's a beast. Fran is a beast. And but while I was like gasping for air in my mind, I was like, okay, after this workout, I need to ask where she got this tank top from. Yeah. Totally. And I'm like a little bit shy. And so I like waited. We were all putting everything away. And I was just like, I really love your tank top. And she was like, oh my God, thank you so much. I was like, where did you get it? And she got it from NYX. Like the, oh, we honestly could have been in a commercial. Cause I was like, NYX, like that ad online I see all the time. And she was like, yeah, exactly. She's like, also check out this bra. And it was like a high neck bra, like a sport bra that weird. I love, you know, I loved it. And I was like, yeah. that's great. And then she was like, I don't want to sound like salesy but Does i she have, have a like one code yeah referral she's like a, number whatever. like a referral or like an affiliate link yeah 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 and i was like what that's amazing she's like yeah you get 10 percent off i was like that's incredible then i was like oh i'll have to get that from you and she was like yeah she's like do you have instagram and i said yeah i do and so we went and got our phones i just i only really use our podcast instagram i don't right. like i don't use my personal one. So I added her on Instagram, but I added her to our podcast one. Awesome. Didn't think anything of it. And then in the parking lot, she was like, oh my God, you have a podcast. And I got so embarrassed. <laughs> like it is, I know that it's my job to like yeah. promote. We want, <laughs> we want people to hear the podcast, yeah, but yeah. I don't want anybody I know to hear the podcast. Like not in, not face to face. Yeah, I get shy and embarrassed. Yeah. 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 And, and yet I drive her, it's like on my vehicle. and But I don't want people to acknowledge it because I'm too embarrassed and shy. I understand but, that. I was at work and the manager's asking everyone what they were doing on the weekend. And so I said yeah. that I was recording for the podcast. And then he literally asked me like what the podcast was and where people could find it. And everyone was staring at me and I was like, ah. You're like, you know what? Never mind. I no, don't. I don't have it. I'm just it's joking. It's canceled. It's yeah. not. We don't do it anymore. You wouldn't understand. All episodes have been deleted and yeah. <laughs> pretend we didn't have this conversation. Yeah, I know. She So she said she was going to check it out. So her name is Emily and her Instagram is Ginge and Juice. Oh, cute. And I'm going to go buy this tank top. It's, Absolutely. I'm going to send you a picture hey, of it. It's so cute. Um, I love that. Yeah. This is the thing. We're always be networking, always be shopping, always be... But this is I why know. I probably wouldn't succeed in an MLM because, I mean, for many reasons, but uh. because I don't want to talk about myself or presume people want to hear anything about me ever. Right, right. Probably should unpack that in therapy. Um. <laughs> Megan, if you're listening, my therapist, please note on my next appointment. Yeah. Please tell me what this means and how do I fix it? Yeah. I went to therapy this week. And I did the, I can't remember how, what it's called, but oh, I like want to say like ARPC, but that's, I'm pretty sure that's like a insurance company or something. What did you call it? <laughs> ARTC. Oh, isn't it like EMDR, but yeah, it's like it's eye just... movement desensitization. Something. Really? <laughs> something R. Yeah. So she said that. So I've done it before. I did it a couple of years ago and I really liked it, but it's basically you're picturing a scene and while you are, the therapist is like moving their hand back and forth. And so your eyes are moving back yeah. and forth. Was it that fast? Because I got really dizzy watching your fingers there. Ooh. No, but honestly, I felt bad for her. I was like, does your arm hurt? Because that's not... If that was me, I'd be like holding my arm up and being like, okay, can we, are you good? Can we stop? But she said that one session of that is the same as three to five years of talk therapy. So I'm cured. (laughs) 
was your second and last yeah, therapy session. That's it. I'm done. I'm good to go. My God. And yeah. so, like, how do you feel? How, like, how is that going for you? I feel good. I feel because it's very, like, you pinpoint a specific scene that right. you have trauma attached to. And so then once you, if you're ever triggered by that scene or something similar, the emotions and the physical feelings aren't there anymore. If you're triggered by seeing a car accident and you you see a car accident and you're you get cold sweats and you're what's funny? I <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> if you saw a car accident and you were it was the trauma and then you do this the next time you see a car accident you'll be like, "No, it's fine." Yeah. I have no emotion to this. <laughs> This is great. No no problem. Okay. Maybe that's a bad example. But you yes. don't have the same like fight or flight trauma mm-hmm. feelings as you did before. And it basically yeah. takes the memory and takes it from like the front of your brain to the back of your brain. And it replaces it with another memory that is a happy memory. That's amazing. Yeah. What else was I going to put? I had on my list. Oh, we had a garage sale yesterday. I've learned I'm not great at garage sailing because two times people gave me more money than what I asked for because I was underselling an item. And what does that tell you? And they felt like, bad for you? Yeah. There was this like kid's tent. So Lindsay left to go walk the dogs with Wyatt. And and I was like, yeah, I got this. This is fine. And this lady was like, oh, this tent is so great. It's from Ikea, all the stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I don't, it's not my tent. And she was like, how much do you want for it? And I don't want to haggle. I don't want to, at the end of the day, whatever we don't sell is just going to donation anyway. So like, I'm not here to like make bank, but we just, whatever we make, we're going to spend on our holiday when we go to Ontario. So I was like, I don't know, like $3. And she was like, I'm going to give you five. (laughs) And I was like, okay, thank you. And then a lady from down the street was like, oh, I saw on Facebook that you're having a garage sale. I posted in our community thing. And she said, it said you had fabric. And I said, oh, yeah, I used to do photography. And so I have all these fabrics that I would use as either like throws or backgrounds or whatever. Wrap yeah, a baby yeah. in it. And she was like, wow, these are gorgeous. How much do you want for them? And I was like, I don't know. Like the, if you take all of them, maybe five dollars. Oh, my and God. She, and she's, are you sure? And I was like. Yes. No. I think I'm sure. <laughs> and then she left and came back and she was like, okay, I'm going to go get my wallet. I said, okay. And then she came back a while later with a bag and a $10 bill. And she's, I'm just going to give you 10 because five isn't enough. Yeah. Oh, that's and so funny. And I was like, fun. oh, thanks. So. And then Lindsay came back from walking the dogs and was like, you're never in charge of the garage sale again. You're done. Yeah. People would be like, how much for this? Like we didn't, it was so busy. We didn't, and we weren't organized enough. I didn't put prices on everything. Uh I just uh was, I don't know. What are you going to give me? I thought you tell me what you're going to give me for this (laughs) item. So I'd be like, I don't know. 25 cents for that. Like I sold 25 cents. Girl, it's like you're doing a garage sale in the nineties, like inflation. I don't know. I don't know what etiquette, what's protocol. So I just like a dollar. I sold four DVDs for a dollar, but maybe I should have sold them for a dollar each. Well, I would say two dollars for four. Oh, okay. I shouldn't (laughs) be in charge of garage sales. (laughs) That is so funny. 
but then just quickly before we get into it, I want to remind everybody that June is Pride Month and over on our Patreon, we are doing a Pride giveaway. And so all you have to do to enter is be a Patreon member. And Michelle, what is Patreon? Patreon is a monthly subscription and you get extra bonus content from us. You get two episodes a month and you get just all uh, sorts of things. You just get us. There's a back catalog of what? Over 40? No, over Over 50. 50. Oh my. Yeah. So if you um, sign up today, if you go to patreon.com slash I did not sign up for this, you pay $5, you get 56 episodes that you'll never hear on our main feed. That is some major summer road trip binging. Yeah. Garden I would binging, like, be so happy if I found a podcast that had that many episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get entered into draws when we do draws. There's two tiers and there's a little bit of difference between the two, but we just got another thing to add to our giveaway oh yeah are we talking about the little sweets yeah uh, yeah my co-worker her daughter is 12 and she started her own business doing freeze-dried candy it looks delicious i don't even like candy but this looks really good and know, so she i've never freeze- tried it but i want to yeah i'll get us a bag so she freeze dries freeze dries freeze dries yeah. freeze Free- dries she makes freeze-dried candy. That's what I'll say. <laughs> and so like Skittles, Warheads, huh. I've seen a whole bunch of things. So to support her little entrepreneur spirit, we are including a bag of rainbow Skittles, freeze-dried Skittles to this pride package. And then people can also, the winner will get to pick a t-shirt or tank top of their choice from the boy band merch store mm-hmm. and then we'll throw in a bit of our own merch we're going to give them a pride themed i did not sign up for this notebook oh are you going to hold it up there it is there it is everybody this is not a visual medium but you just have to trust <laughs> she is waving it in the air <laughs> yeah i think that's awesome I, all i have to say oh. is i'm excited to see you today and slap you with a tortilla oh we're doing it <laughs> Do you have tortillas? Uh, I don't, but I will get some. Yeah, we'll get some. I'll find some. All right, let's get into the episode. All right. Okay, bye. Bye. Hello, Maddie. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. We found you on TikTok and I binge watched every one of your videos. And then I just love how like honest and candid you are about your experience with mental health and subsequently your passion that's come from talking about it and sharing your story, which I think is so important. So I would love it if you could introduce yourself, tell us like who you are, and then we'll get into the bulk of the story. Cool. So my name is Maddie. I also, my full name is Madeline. I'm 26. I currently live in Wisconsin with my family, but I've lived in Chicago for since I was 18. I started making these videos after I came out of a two and a half month long manic and psychotic episode. It was my first any kind of mental health problem that interrupted my life. It was the first one ever. And this one completely flipped my life upside down. Are you diagnosed with anything? Yeah, I got diagnosed with bipolar one. Okay. I got diagnosed with bipolar one when I was in the psych ward and spent, uh, went to three psych wards in one month. <laughs> just doing a tour, like seeing which one's the just best. Just doing a tour. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I have lots of opinions on psych wards. Oh, good. But my current psychiatrist, 
is not completely convinced of my bipolar one diagnosis. Oh. Because I was an everyday marijuana smoker before this. And he thinks that my everyday marijuana smoking and I was also consuming high amounts could have been the trigger for this. Because I guess you can get manic and psychotic if you have certain kind of... I also have a family history of bipolar. Okay. And then I also have a family history of like people being really sensitive to drugs. Oh, like my so whole, you're just like it's the perfect storm. Yeah. And the reason my psychiatrist isn't like fully convinced is because of how quickly I've bounced back. Right. Right. And how I didn't have like, I definitely was depressed before all this happened, but I could still, I worked a pretty high stress, like very involved, lots of hours job for years. He's like, how were you able to do like people with bipolar usually have bipolar one usually struggle with jobs, struggle in all these other areas. And I never struggled with anything. And, yeah. and then this just came out of nowhere. That's so scary. Can you maybe start from like, how did this psychosis start it was just recently right you were still 26 or 25 yeah i had just turned my 20 i had just turned 26 it was like a couple days after my birthday so happy birthday to me yeah (laughs) it was a great way to enter the year it had started mid-november so it started off as like mania which is essentially a lot of the symptoms of mania are grandiose thinking high risk behavior uh fast you don't sleep pressured speech and then it very quickly turned into psychosis. So but I was saying before, the, the trigger, <laughs> we're not completely sure because it happened within like a weekend was oh. when it started. And it could have started, I won this award at work. And I've read that mania can be triggered by winning an award. That's wild. Yeah, like you're so happy and it like breaks your brain. <laughs> And then there was also, I had, there was someone in my life who I had a really long time crush on and they reciprocated those feelings. And my family is like, Maddie, a guy liked you back and broke your brain. Like it like. Your brain was like, does not compute. Yeah. It does like, why does this doesn't happen to me? (laughs) But then also this is me not being great. I was in a relationship and I, because of that person saying they liked me made me realize some things about the relationship and Mm -hmm. I was like oh wait I shouldn't be in this relationship anymore I'm I liked someone out like there were a lot of reasons I should have ended the relationship but then I also it was a long-term three and a half year long relationship that I ended oh wow Um, so it was a mix of these things all happening at the same time so that was the layer cake explosion of things going on in my life that yeah started all of this Wow. And it started off as mania and then very quickly turned into psychosis. I'm actually writing a book right now and I'm oh. going through like cataloging like what happened and looking at like where this went wrong, what timelining my events and the psychosis was happening pretty quickly because I thought so it really started my first I lived with my partner, but then when we broke up obviously when we're not living together anymore and I was at the apartment alone for the first time. And I hadn't been alone in years. Like I lived with him, I had roommates, and I just like never had really had a night alone. That night, I remember I was like laughing to myself. I was so giddy about being alone. And then I got really high, as I would do almost every night. I like sprang up in bed and had these lyrics for a song come to me. And I like recorded myself like singing. And that was the first. So mania also like high creative. I'm a very creative person and mania yeah. has high creative. Like when you're creative, it like launches it to the freaking moon. 
I started just like writing these songs like over and over and over and over again. And they weren't like, I wasn't like writing them down like physically. I was just like improving these songs. I was like that night, I just, it, I wouldn't stop. And I remember thinking I saw my dad's presence with me while wow. I was doing it. And your dad passed so away dad, when you were younger. Yes. So that is like where psychosis and mania started to come in together because it was, whether you believe in these things or not, a lot of my delusions had to do with seeing and hearing dead people. Wow. And then a lot of my mania was with encompassing with the psychosis. A lot of my mania was writing these songs like crazy and then believing that I could transition my entire life into being a pop star. Like the obvious and next step. Yes. I was like, oh, yeah. obviously I was supposed to be a pop star. <laughs> yeah. So that first week I'm just like writing songs like crazy and I'm starting to feel and everyone's you need to like slow down from this breakup. I'm like, no, I feel amazing. That's the thing about mania. I miss it sometimes because of yeah. how just purely productive, amazing. I felt so good about myself. I thought I was like the hottest person in the entire world. I ate healthy. I ran for the first time in my entire <laughs> life. Like I just had this energy that was unpalpable. I miss it. And are you carrying and on with your daily life? You're going to work. You're talking to your friends and family. Yeah. Especially that first week. Like the psychosis wasn't really bad yet. And I was still maintaining my, I was working still at my job. I used to work in advertising. Okay. And I'm a copywriter. So I was doing a shoot. I was waking up early for calls. I was doing everything normally. I did, however, the first day after the breakup, I like got up and wrote the best script I've ever written in my entire life. And I was like, this is divine inter intervention. This is my calling is coming to me. Like advertising is too easy for me at this point. Like I wrote the best script ever. And it was one that the client was going to buy for millions of dollars. And oh, wow. I thought I was like, I'm past advertising. <laughs> like I'm past this extremely competitive career. That's like hard to break into I thought I was over it yeah. and so that didn't happen though like right away so this I keep going back so I, I gotta explain I keep going off on tangents no this that's okay week, a lot's happening all yes, at once yeah a lot was happening all at once and I was writing these songs and I'm telling my friends about them telling my family and they're like that's so cool they're like that's awesome like you should keep doing it and I'm feeling like every song I'm writing is so the relationship I was in had a lot of toxic elements to it I was healing those parts of myself with this songwriting I was like every song I write is like a piece of me becoming better like a piece of me I'm healing Wow. and I thought I like that's I thought I like got over the relationship in that week just by writing these songs they were like coming from within. It was like this weird, when I would get high, I would feel the high within my body. And then I would like, when I would sing and get these songs out, it felt like it was like releasing different trauma like stored throughout my body. Oh, wow. Mm. I thought I, this gets into the whole grandiose thinking, but I thought I like discovered a new form of therapy. <laughs> and, like, That's amazing. I'll get into this later as the story goes on but I definitely thought I was like gonna win the Nobel Peace Prize like that oh, for sure yeah. I had discovered something I know therapist yes a singing therapist within that first week I I hadn't done anything crazy yet but I did decide I want to take a job at a less stressful smaller agency to work on my music right and because this job came out this interview came at what I thought was the perfect time during that week 
And I was like, you know what? This is this job has way less hours. It's it has good benefits. It's coming at this perfect time. I can focus on. I'm and I'm passionate about music now. And had you been passionate in, about music before? Not really. Okay. Just in the average, like I I danced growing up. I was in musical theater growing up. I was in choir growing up. So like these roots were very much true like I had been told I was a gifted performer for like most of my life but I never ended up pursuing it so it Mm -hmm. was like this like bubbling up I'm like this is my whole destiny I've been all the signs have pointed to this my whole life this is what I'm supposed to be doing it felt like this calling and I'm a writer and I write very pithy things for my job and I was like that's pop songs pithy words like I can do this looking back like I loved my old job it's still painful to me that I left that job so quickly right and I left this ad this agency world this advertising agency world that I was so ingrained that I worked really hard to get into that still is something I lament over now so also that week is when I decided to go on a date with Mr. Crush yeah I call him Kevin in my videos oh that's perfect Yeah, so this is when I decided to go on a date with Kevin. And the date was like amazing. I felt so magical and sparkly and it was everything I wanted it to be and more. So right after my family says that that date was like this huge catalyst because that day I was talking to my sister and I was saying like, I'm like, we got to get in a recording because my sister's a musician. My sister's actually a musician. Okay. I was like, Kate, we got to get in this recording studio we got to do this. I want to record this album, blah, blah, blah. She's like, you're moving way too fast. Like you just got out of a relationship, slow down. And I took that as I don't believe in you. I think right. you're bad. And, and I'm like, you need to believe in me. You're being a bad sister. You're, I'm like, you're jealous of me. And apparently to her, that was the trigger point when she knew something was very wrong with me. Cause she's like, you oh. would never call me jealous. Right. My sister and I have a great relationship. And we're very supportive of each other. I've always been very supportive of her music. She's supportive of my writing and, you know, sister relationship. Yeah. We're both calling my mom. My mom said that she's like, Maddie, you were talking so fast. I had absolutely no idea what you were saying. So I was like, mom, you got to tell Kate, like, you can't, like, that she can't talk to me this way, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, that day I had gotten, so a big part of the mania was I didn't need to sleep. Oh, wow. And that day I had to be up for a shoot at 3 a.m., and I didn't sl- I like didn't go back to sleep. So I was running on no sleep. And I'm like talking like this insane person to my mom. And I'm like going to Sephora to get like makeup for my date tonight, like pacing around <laughs> Sephora. Like I the signs people probably noticed that didn't know who I was, that yeah. I was a little bit loose in the brain a little bit right away. Yeah. And did anybody and say anything to you? Like Maddie, I'm really worried. My fam my sister was the first one. Okay. Up until then, no one had really noticed. People just thought I was just they're like, oh, it's just a breakup. It's yeah. cool. She's writing music. Even me saying I wanted to get a new job wasn't completely out of left field because I had wanted to get a new job before that. Okay. But I wanted to get a new job that was similar to my old job, not such a direct contrast as to what I did. After that date, the next day, I was in my apartment alone and I was singing to this song. It was Sugar, We're Going Down Swing by Fall Out Boy. Oh, yeah. Classic. And I think I'm like matching the pitch of Patrick Stump. And it's coming from this deep. I remember like it came from this. I'm a low. I was on an alto too. Like I have a lower register voice just in general. Yeah. And I thought it was coming from this like 
deep place within me. It was like this area of my voice that I had never scratched before. When I was singing, after I was done, I was like sobbing. And I thought, I'm like, I just discovered that I have an amazing voice. Like I, like this is, this is the moment that I will always point to. And I sent it to my sister. I was like, oh my God, Kate, can I actually do this? Can I actually do this? And I've seen the text from that day. They were just like pages and pages of me texting. Wow. She was like basically saying that she thinks I could be a songwriter. She's like, I don't know about this, Maddie. Not in my mind that in that time, she just wasn't believing in me. And I called my mom and the same thing happened. She was like, I never knew you wanted to be a musician, blah, blah, blah. And my brother, I kind of did the same thing too. So my ex had been verbally abusive and I used to have to like fight to say, I'm like, I love you. I love you. I promise. I love you. I promise it's real. And it felt like the same way what I what my family was doing to me. I'm like, no, I promise this is real. This is oh. real. This is real. And they weren't believing right. in me. Yeah. So at that moment, I was like, done. Like my family, it's just as abusive as my ex. I'm cutting them off. Oh, oh wow. gosh. I've always been close to my family. There's never been any kind of issues that like every family has issues. It's yeah. those kind of issues. And I was seeing my ex. And I'm not going to say my ex was an abusive person, but there was some abuse that happened at the beginning of our relationship. Right. That's all I saw at the end of our relationship. And he was a good boyfriend and he's not a bad person. And there was just some complications in our relationship. Yeah. After that relationship, I saw him as abusive. And then I started to see my family as abusive. And the next day is when I was like, I need a new cell phone. I need a new number. I need a new email address. I need a new, like I got, I, the biggest regret I have is getting a new dang cell phone because <laughs> I didn't need a new number. Yeah. And cell phones are really expensive. <laughs> and it's caused me so much inconvenience having two phones. And now I no. have this new number and it's, that's like the most like petty of things I've had to deal with is this whole cell phone. <laughs> I call my friends and I'm like, my family's abusive. I'm cutting them off. And that's when my friends were like, oh shit, something is going on with Maddie. That next week is when things started to really take a turn. One of the signs of psychosis is separating yourself from people. And I just started to go on this rampage of cutting myself off from people. Like anyone who didn't believe my abuse for my family, anyone who didn't believe I could be a star and anyone who basically disagreed with me at all, done. And that's very much this grandiose thinking, this I'm better than everyone else kind of, I deserve only people around me who are going to say yes to everything. Yeah. That week is when I decided to quit my job and put in my two weeks. And this is the part that I still, a lot of this episode is like and reflecting on it, it's just, oh my God, that's so cringy. I can't believe I did that. It's like those cringy moments you have when you're younger, but like it's over and over again and they they just happened and they're way worse than any embarrassing moment you've ever had before. Uh, and you can remember everything, right? Like you've got I, the look back of being clear headed. Oh yeah. I can remember my logic. I can remember the why I did what I did, the way I was thinking. And it's so mind boggling in a way because it's like my brain was in a completely different like department. It was like I was on vacation and this new person stepped in. Right. So at my job, 
I was like, I'm quitting. I burned a few bridges. I thought one of my superiors was a narcissist and refused to do work for him, which here's the thing. Here's a big part of this. I thought a lot of people were narcissists, but in fact, I was the biggest narcissist. I was doing very narcissistic tendencies like not respecting people's boundaries, thinking I'm better than everyone else. And like I was working on this high level project at work and it was for a Super Bowl placement as, at the Super Bowl, which, you know, as you advertising, like huge. that's pretty big. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. My superior wanted me to go in for another round of reviews, wanted to meet with it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, no, this is good enough. I don't need to do another review again, which is, this guy was like a senior vice president creative oh. director. And did like, he know this was not like you? Oh, no. no. Yeah. I don't think he, I think he still doesn't know. But I called like the manager, the creative manager. I was like, I can't be on this project anymore. And then I, that's when I told her I was quitting. And I was, that's when I started like this day long of calls of telling people I'm quitting. Oh, wow. And when I was telling people I was quitting, I was like, I just got out of an abusive relationship and I'm cutting off my family because they're abusive. And I told people like high up, like my boss's boss, TMI for a workplace. Yeah. And I felt so good being the victim. Like that was, I finally, because of what I went through in my last relationship, I told no one about what had happened. I never got, that part of me never got out, that hurt part of me. It felt so good to tell people he was abusive. It felt so good to take a stance against my family. It was this vindicating feeling, which is narcissism, which is like when you want to be the victim when you want sympathy from others, that is the part where I'm just like, oh, I can't believe I told those people that. Like <laughs> people that I didn't know yeah. that well. And there were, oh, most people were so unbelievably supportive of me. They believed me. Like, why would yeah. you not believe me? Yeah. You know, I started a group chat with a bunch of them and my other friends that likes to support me. Got that group chat. Like, I don't even, <laughs> the things I sent in there, like... <laughs> God, like sent there to people I used to work with that I respected a lot. I was at my job. My reputation was so unbelievably important to me. I looked at every message I sent, every email. I wanted to be, not only did I want to be the best writer, I wanted to be the easiest to work with and the the kindest person there. Like that's what I wanted. And I achieved that. I was very well respected. I was very successful at that agency. It kind of it all crumbling down in one day. And have you talked to Kevin again since this? Oh, so... (laughs) Kevin was one of the people I called that day and Kevin was so unbelievably supportive of all of this that like, yeah, which was really nice. So a lot happened with Kevin and Kevin was like the bulk of my delusions. Right. And I thought I was going to get married to Kevin. I thought he was proposing to me. I thought he was coming into my house. That was when the psychosis was really deep. And I've since apologized to Kevin, but I have not heard anything back from him. But I I told him in the apology, I was like, listen, you don't have to say anything. Right. You don't. Kevin also has his personal stuff going on, dealing with another relationship. So we both were operating outside the lines of a relationship, or, you know, both coming out of a relationship, both, we both had our, had stuff going on. So just to backtrack a little bit. So after the, the quitting and the telling everyone at work, it's when people started to talk and we're like, something's wrong with Maddie, what's going on? And that's when my, I, the SWAT team, my family formed this team of people 
it was like the reverse Truman Show almost because like everyone knew they they started telling people like my best friend texted everyone in that group chat we think Maddie's in a manic episode one of my friends that came over that weekend before when I cut off my family and texted my people being like something's wrong with Maddie so everyone in the group chat knew really early on Kevin even my friend texted Kevin right away too because after that date, after he told me he was supportive of me, I was like, I'm in love with Kevin. And I told him. Yeah. As <laughs> after you one do. date. Yeah. <laughs> as you do. Yeah. I was telling my friends, I'm like, I'm in love with Kevin. I sent him this voice note and they were like, okay, you need to suck in here. So they texted Kevin being like, yo, we think Mary's in a manic episode. So people knew I had a safety net of people who knew around me, which throughout all of this was great. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was super supportive. But what started this whole thing with Kevin is when I told him I loved him, he was like, I've got my own situation going on. Like, I can't, I don't feel the same way. And I was like, no, you do. And he's like, give me to the end of the year. Like, I need to figure my own stuff out. And I took that as like, end of the year, like we're going to be together. Right. Yeah. But he was saying that because he knew I was manic and was hoping I would come down from all of this. Right. Right. By the end of the year. So at some point along the way, when I'm in psychosis, I'm doing all this, like I'm selling, I sold a bunch of my, like pretty much everything in my apartment. I'm like, I want nothing that reminds me of my ex. I gave away a bunch of my clothes, which I still regret. Yeah. Like, in the summer, I'm like, where is half my wardrobe? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And I was planning, this is probably one of the worst things I did. I was planning a revenge against my ex. Like I wrote, I basically took all of the things that like the presents I had given him and wrote shit all over it and wrote like stuff all over this calendar calendar mean things like all over these photos I wrote stuff it was this grandiose plan I had to take revenge out on him and that's still I still feel really bad about that because he didn't deserve to come home to like these just these insults written everywhere and I left the apartment a mess and I thought I was like getting this vindicated like I'm like oh this is what he deserves this is what I'm supposed to be doing and it was just this disaster Mm. so I'm doing all this stuff I'm not sleeping like at all I like wake up at like 4 a.m and something I had started doing when I broke up with my ex is I would record these voice notes to myself and I would listen back to it as like a form of therapy and I would record the songs too obviously yeah I had decided that I wanted to Because during all of this, I had gone on a date with another guy and I decided I wanted to tell Kevin about it. So I told Kevin, I was like, I'm going to send you these voice notes that are going to be like letters and you don't have to listen to them anytime soon, but just think of them as like a stack of letters waiting for you when you get back. Very romantic. Yeah. Yeah. And I, oh, the romance. I discovered (laughs) I'm a very romantic person throughout all of this and that I want a lot of romance. I started sending him these voice memos. And it started off pretty innocent, like just one or two. And it would just be like telling him about my day, telling him that I went on a date with someone else, telling him about my feelings for him, I roll. Yeah. And they started to get more and more. I started to like develop this addiction almost to sending him these voice memos and these voice notes and like talking to him. And that's when the delusions really started because I almost had made up this version of him that I would converse with almost like he was there. He was like my conscience. There was one night when I was like texting him and I would send him these voice memos and he wouldn't reply at all. Like I sent him probably 300 of them, honestly, because I would send like a bunch a day. Yeah. And he just wouldn't reply. He would just let me send them to him, which is really nice. I was texting him one day 
And he's, I was texting him over and over and over again and calling him over and over again. He was like, you got to stop. This is too much. This is stressing me out. And then he blocked me. And I thought the blocking was like a joke. Like I thought he was just doing it to be funny. Then that's when I was like, oh, we can telepathically communicate. That's why it's okay with him. That's why he's okay with blocking. Like I, I swore I heard him in my head. It wasn't like I... Because I had auditory hallucinations, right. but it, it was more like a tell, like inside my brain. Wow. The best way I can describe it is if you believed every thought you had was 100% true. You know how like you can probably, you can think of what this person's going to say. Yeah. But it's that with no filter, with just being like, this is 100% true. This is 100% true. This is happening. So after the telepathic thing, I thought he was like, coming over to meet me outside my apartment like come meet me and I would still text him I think he got I he didn't like he got some of the texts which is why I believed that he wasn't that he was actually listening to me and actually he was coming over but that's the night when it started like these like scavenger hunts I would play with him and these like forms of tag I would play around the neighborhood I was playing them completely alone yeah so anybody that just sees you on the street you're playing tag and hide and seek and all this stuff with yourself yes i would hide beneath cars and i would think i'd see his head poke out and stuff like that and i was doing this at 4 a.m in chicago oh my god so not yeah not safe again risk behavior yeah no sense of safety i would have my headphones in i would sing and dance in the streets thinking he could hear me and did anybody ever interact with you was anybody like whoa are you okay it was 4 a.m so there wasn't a lot of people out but not honestly throughout my whole episode throughout all my nighttime escapades no one ever it's chicago yeah big city downtown you just think oh there's another person like who's maybe under the yeah i think i lived in near wrigley field which there's just like like party places and right young people like it could have been anyone so after he blocked me i would like think i would see him around the neighborhood and like telepathically communicating with him i resorted to emailing him because i knew what his work email was oh no and i knew how and i started teams messaging him too (sighs) And I would, and I had the other phone, so I would contact him on my other phone that he hadn't had blocked yet. Right. And it was just like over and over again. That's when, so like a couple of days of that went by. My sister had contacted me being like, Maddie, can I please come see you? And I decided, I'm like, you know what? Like, she can come see me. Like, I had been only communicating with my family via email, which they were like, we hated that. Like, I set up this email address for my family. Like, you made us resort to email? So my sister and I, I exchanged emails. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you can come see me. And she comes to see me. And then I get a text from Kevin. Mm-hmm. And Kevin says, Maddie, I do not want to see you. I do not want to talk to you. If you keep reaching out to me, I'm going to file a restraining order. And that was supposed to be like my, and I found out later, my sister had called Kevin because I had told my sister that I had been emailing him a lot. I sent her a right. screenshot of one of the emails I sent. And she's like, that's when I knew something. Like, she's like, I knew that we had to intervene because you were doing something like emailing someone like how you want to get married to them and have their children. Yeah. That's not normal. (laughs) Oh, no. That's something that needs to, that's going to get out of hand very quickly. Yeah. Can I just ask, were you still like smoking marijuana every night during this time? All the time. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. And also I was still working. Yeah. I was still like, I was able to hold, have my, I was able to turn it on and off. Oh. I was able to go to the grocery store, go out to eat. I made friends during all of this. I like went to bars and stuff like that. I was still able to function. Yeah. But I also was like emailing this guy. Like I would be working and then I would go back and email him like a billion times. Wow. So that happens. And he, yeah, he's like, I'm going to get you. So funny thing that happened. I was sending him pictures one day of, I was like walking through the neighborhood and we lived pretty close to each other. And I sent him a picture of an apartment complex. It was his apartment complex. So he thought that I showed up to his house. Oh, no. Yeah. When he sent me in the message, he said, if you ever show up to my house again, I'm going to have you arrested. And at the time, I thought that I had seen him on a bike go somewhere to a different apartment. I'm like, oh, he separated from his relationship and moved out because of me. Like, he's living in this new apartment because of me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't actually end up finding his a real apartment, but he thought that I did. Right. Which was probably really freaking scary for him. Yeah. That's probably why I got kicked in the high gear with the restraining order. I still to this day have not been able to clarify that with him. So that's awesome. Yeah. And so your sister came for a visit. Yeah. My sister came for the visit and she's like, let's go to the emergency room right now. And I'm like, the emergency room? What are you that's talking great. about? I'm like, this. Yeah. I was yeah. like, this just. I wasn't perturbed by the text message from him. I was like, oh, I respect that. Like, I was emailing him too much. But here, I'm like, I think he's been in my apartment multiple times. Like, I hallucinated. So I would email him. Be like, come meet me. Oh, God. There's other things. I'm just... (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, God. One of them is so unsafe that I did. I would email him and be like, come meet me in the bathtub. You have my keys. Because multiple times I would leave a paper bag outside my apartment complex with his name on it and my keys in it. No. Again, Chicago. And I, someone, a good Samaritan had returned them to my landlord. The fact that you have not been murdered at this point is miraculous. Yeah, because my keys even had the number to my apartment complex on them. Someone could have easily just came in and robbed me, killed me, anything. And because I was leaving them outside of the apartment complex. That was one of the things when my mom and my sister talked to him on the phone. We're like, he's, yeah, Maddie thinks I have her keys. I don't know what the hell she's talking about. And I would tell him, you have my keys. Come meet me in the bathtub. And I would wait in my bathtub for him. I did. I spent a majority of this episode in my bathtub. There was a lot of bathtub time. Wow. Because I would go in there. And I thought that my powers, like my telepathic powers, were the strongest in the water. Just yeah, normal of course. Things. Yeah. <laughs> I would wait for him and like sing songs in there, hoping that, thinking that he heard them. I swear on my life, like I was sitting there in the bathtub and I thought I saw like someone walking back and forth, like under <sighs> my door and like yeah. the floor creaking. And I thought I heard someone like take off a jacket. And I was like, that's him. Yeah. But it was just an auditory and visual hallucination I was having. Oh, yeah. And so when my sister told me that about that phone call, I was like, oh, he's just lying. He's scared. He lied to her. Like, he, I have the proof. Mind you, before all of this, I am completely sound-minded. Before this happened, I'm a very smart, successful person. I'm like, there's no way I hallucinated that. Like, you, yeah. you're crazy for thinking that. There's yeah. absolutely no way that happened. I'm like, this guy likes me a lot because he did like me. And I'm like, 
there he's just up he's lying because of his own stuff going on in his life right yeah so after that i did not text him for a little while and i believed that the breakup was real but the delusion started like right back up there was one night and i think it was christmas when i was like you know what i was sitting in my bathtub and i was like you know what i'm just gonna go with my thoughts my intuition tonight because every night i would take the bath i would think i heard him in my apartment I'd be like, oh, that's not real. That's not real. Or I think he would be in there like singing with me. I'm like, that's not real. But I was like, you know what? Tonight, I'm just going to follow my intuition and see where it takes me. So that night is when I ended up proposing to him, quote unquote. And I had, I kept my eyes closed the whole time and walked around my apartment thinking he was there. Like I thought if I opened my eyes, he would run away. Right. He wouldn't <gasps> be there. So I like felt him like right in front of my face like someone breathing on me I felt that I heard like a heartbeat behind me there was like this note that would like fly into my hand and it was interesting because I would walk around my apartment eyes closed and then open my eyes and there would be something that would be like a sign right or right. something that would be a clue it was all about clues all about leaving stuff out all about these like games that's the night when I like Thought he was in there, so I proposed to him with my eyes closed. And did he say yes? Yes, he did say yes. Of course. Because I had written out yes on a note card or on a napkin before that. And I was writing out things, like, all these, like, weird messages that I thought we were, like, when we were playing tag, I would leave them outside my door. So my neighbors probably saw all these, like, they're like, who is this girl leaving these Chipotle (laughs) napkins with these cryptic messages? And I, like, opened my eyes, and there was a napkin that I had written out and said yes on it. And I was like... Of course, that's it. Yeah. And I think he's like too, this grown man, I think this grown man who's already made a move on me is too scared to like show his face to me. (laughs) That's the whole, my whole line of, I'm like, he's too nervous. He just loves me too much. Yeah. So that morning after I proposed to him, it's like, it's like the days after Christmas. Like it's, I think it's the 26th or 27th. I didn't go home for Christmas. I think we're going to get married. I'm like, okay, it's his turn to propose to me. We're going to get married. And I like get, I wear a white shirt. I put on a blue head, this blue headband. (laughs) I put like a ring on from my grandma, like something borrowed, something, whatever, blue. Blue, Yeah. Yeah. And I like walk around my, it's 6am. And I'm like walking around my neighborhood thinking that I'm going to find him. I went to all the bars that we like went to on our date I'm like walking slowly to places thinking I'm like walking down the aisle. There was at one point where I was walking down the street with my eyes closed and I would open them when I would like there'd be a tree branch or there'd be a crack in the road. Like something in me like knew when there was something in front of me with my eyes closed. Right. I think I was just like hypersensitive during all of this. That's when my sister just randomly called me. Oh no, I called her because I think that she's part, she knows she's like part of this proposal. Right. I think she's in on it. And she's like, you need to come home. She's telling me to come home because she's concerned about me because I'm manic and walking the streets at 6 a.m. and not at home for Christmas. But I think that she's like telling me, oh, like, you need to come home, winky face. Yeah, like, and you're like, is... okay, winky back. Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> I excitedly agreed. God. And then that day is when I came home, and that's when everything, the whole crazy story happened. That's when I, I'm home, and I'm being super weird. I'm like, to, like trying to read my family's tarot cards. I'm like telling them that they're not enlightened. 
meanwhile, like at this point, I think I discovered like an equation that formulates miracles. Oh wow. Like and I think I, I think I can talk to God. I think I can talk to Jesus. I've talked to my dead dad. I think I'm like a medium. I think I'm a straight up genius. There's no doubt in my mind. And it's also no doubt in my mind that I'm gonna be a famous musician. Right. Throughout all of this I'm still writing like crazy amounts of songs. Like and the songs I want everyone to know the songs are not good. I've listened oh, I to them. Gonna... <laughs> I was going to ask you, have you read them again? And you're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, I'm in the pro. So I'm in the, in my in the book I'm writing right now. I'm in the process of listening to all the voice memos. Oh wow! Oh my gosh. To Kevin, it's actually like the fact that I have these voice memos. You really start to see it's so apparent when I just click off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool that I have all of that now and I can write from it. Yeah. But, oh my, there's a song that I sent to Kevin. I want, and also Kevin, I respected, I thought so highly of, I liked so much and I would never show my cards like this, like telling him I love you first. Yeah. And then I sent him a song. The song is so bad and it's so cringy. <laughs> and i pray to god i'm like please he hopefully did not listen to this oh no because it's so awful i'm telling my dad about him in my song yes oh wow it is it's so rough because i know that most of my friends didn't listen to the songs that i sent thank god because they're also the songs i would sing they were like 10 minutes long oh Oh, my god they were they were long they didn't make a lot of sense I have a very average voice. Like, it was nothing to write home about. Yeah. And they were all improv, and I sang with no music. So the key was just <laughs> in no man's land. Oh, no. Oh my gosh. So when I'm at home is when I go to a hotel, and that's when this proposal, I think this proposal happens. This is probably, oh, I don't even know. I don't even want to say it's the most dangerous thing I did because I did a lot of dangerous things. Yeah. But I essentially thought there was this scavenger hunt outside the hotel. I ran around in the middle of winter. I took off my shoes. I almost got frostbite on my toes. Like I was barefoot running. I lost my favorite pair of boots. Oh no. Which is just one of the worst parts about all this. I'm yeah. Just the material things I lost. That's what they don't tell you about mania in psychosis is you just lose so many things oh, because wow. you're out of your mind. Yeah. So music was a big part of all of this. I thought that Kevin was communicating with me through music. Like I would hear songs, like certain lyrics louder than other lyrics. Right. And I thought we were twin flames. Oh, yeah. And twin flames supposedly can communicate with each other through music. So that's what I thought was going on. Not like it was a playlist I had already pre-planned of songs. Yeah. Or Spotify that can just send you, like can just shuffle music. I thought it was Kevin shuffling the music for me. Like he had control of my phone. I thought he jailbroke my phone and had control over it. I thought he put cameras in my house. I thought he put recording equipment in my house. Wow. Which is, I guess, so something I've learned throughout all of this is that is common with psychosis is you think people are recording you and like mm-hmm. paranoia. People typically have it with, they think the government's listening to them or like right. some spies. Yeah, not but Kevin. I had it where I not Kevin. Yeah, I thought Kevin, this just normal dude, had the power of God and yeah. was able to. I thought he was able to rent out hotels. I thought he rented out the hotel I was staying at. I thought he paid a bunch of cars to drive by and hear me sing. 
I thought he arranged for all of his like friends to be these construction workers that I sang to. And then I thought all the cars driving by were like plants, like from like his friends and family he wanted me to meet. Right. So I ended up taking a ride home from a stranger. Oh my God. Because you thought it was super dangerous. Yeah. I thought it was someone he planted. And are you talking to this person about Kevin or are you trying to be cool? No, I'm saying, I'm like, hey, can I have a ride? He's like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, just, I'm like, where are you going? I think I'm supposed to be going with this guy. (laughs) And he's like, oh, no, I think I should take you home. He's like, where are your shoes? I'm like, oh, this guy named Kevin is proposing to me and it's part of the proposal. He's like, make sure you smack Kevin upside the head for me. Oh, no. He reminded me of my uncle. He had the same name as him. So that's why I thought, I'm like, oh, it's my uncle trying to, he's part of this. He's in on it. So I get in the car and I ended up being pretty close to where I, like the hotel was really close, thank God, to where I lived. He took me home. I have no idea what he thought about all, like, what he just picked up a random girl at 4 a.m. In an area that, it's very suburban out here, like, you're not going to see someone out at 4 a.m. Like I was the only person. There wasn't a soul out there at 4 a.m. Besides those construction workers or those maintenance people I saw. Who got a free show. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Not like Chicago where it's like there's like I would sing and dance in the street and I probably wasn't the only person doing that night in the area. (laughs) So I get home and that's when my family's like, oh my God, I didn't have shoes on. It was 4 a.m. And I'm telling them about, I'm like, Kevin's proposing to me. Kevin's proposing to me. Like I was telling them the whole story. And my mom looked at my sister and was like, go call the police. Wow. And then that's how I was involuntarily committed into the first. What was their plan? Like when they were like, we just need to get Maddie home. Were they just like, we just want to make sure you're safe? Or was there a plan to get you help? They wanted to just make make sure I was safe. They didn't know I was in psychosis yet, like how bad it was. But it was becoming very apparent because when I was at home, I was like, mom, like Kevin's here. Like we were dancing in the snow together. And my mom was like, where are the footprints? What are you talking about? And that's when it started to get, she was like, okay, that's when I was like, this is something is really, really really wrong do they arrest you they put me in handcuffs and they show up and they do a psych eval so they have someone come and like very quickly i was like this guy named kevin can control my body it was very (laughs) it was a one and done (laughs) yeah yeah they knew right pretty quickly right away but i had absolutely no idea where i was going why i was going somewhere I thought it was part of the proposal. I thought Kevin had these police. So I think my family's abusive. So I thought Kevin had the police at my family's house as part of the proposal. Right. Because I thought he knew that my family was going to react badly to me being proposed. Because I thought my family was not supporting of me and Kevin. Right. I like gladly leave with the police. Like I was making jokes with them. I was joking. I was like, oh, I'm like, haha, I feel so elegant being put in these handcuffs. Like this jewelry. (laughs) They're probably just like, what is, who is this girl? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I got taken to my first psych ward. It was a county place. And if you ever have the lucky opportunity of going to a psych ward, I would not recommend going to a county place. Oh, no. What do they do? Is it just to, they don't have what you need? It's just more of, it's like a holding cell. Mm. Like, they just hold you there. And the food is really bad. It's one step up from jail food, I would say. And it just, you don't really talk to a psychiatrist for very long. And the group therapy is just fine. Right. Well, and it's probably not 
cater to your issue, right? Yeah. And the whole time I had no idea why I, I thought I was there to be safe from my family. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought, and then I thought I was there, even when I got the bipolar diagnosis, I was like, oh, they just have to give me a diagnosis because right. I'm here. Yeah. And How long were you there I, for? I was there, I was actually there over New Year's Eve, so oh. I got to bring in the new year in a really fun way. I was there over a week, probably close to 10 days because of, I had to stay there four extra days because of the holiday. I was very high functioning while I was there. I was very kind to the nurses. I listened. I took my medication. I did everything. Meanwhile, I'm still completely delusional. I think Kevin is communicating with me through the radio. I'm like writing out words and circling different words. I think they're, they're telepathic messages from Kevin. I'm teaching everyone my my theories. And that's the thing about the psych boards is like the people in it with you are in it with you. Right. Yeah. yeah. They were like, oh my God, Kevin sounds great. Can't believe you guys are engaged. Oh my God, that sounds awesome. And they're like, you're so smart. Oh like, my God. They don't know. Yeah. They don't um, know who you are. And I'm coming across as a very high functioning person, like very funny, very like normal. They just believe I am who I say I am. Like, yeah. Why wouldn't they believe it? And so I get let out of there. And the first thing I do is share my Uber with Kevin. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I refuse to go see my family or go back to Wisconsin. And I take a train back to Chicago. Oh, no. And I was out for maybe two days before I got put back into another psych ward. Oh, God. And this time in Chicago? Chicago. This time in Chicago. This place was much nicer. It was a a private hospital. I don't know. Like a just was the Good Samaritan Hospital in Downers Grove. And it was really nice. Okay. And who put you there? What? Like, how did you get in there? It's another dramatic story (laughs) this one's more dramatic so it was a night where i thought so this the two days i was out i was very busy i spent twelve hundred dollars at free people i spent like two hundred dollars at the amazon bookstore part of this is i thought kevin was really wealthy right and he had all this money and he was going to spend it on me meanwhile throughout all of this i'm texting him i'm texting his blocked number right i'm just sending him messages over and over again yeah i think he can still get the blocked even though they're blocked i think he can still get them so i'm texting him screenshots of like my bank account being like oh you can put money in here so i think i have this unlimited money when i go shopping and it was like the most fun experience i've ever had like shopping with what you think is unlimited money being like my fiance is gonna give me this (laughs) and i remember listening to the song seven things by miley cyrus and i'm like i'm gonna get seven things i got way more than seven things I just blew, I do, I do not have $1,200 to just spend oh, no. at three people. That's a symptom of mania is when you just think you have unlimited money and you just spend and spend. And also that weekend, I started thinking like everything's planted by Kevin. Like right. people on the street are planted by Kevin. I think people in the bars are planted by Kevin. I even went up to a group of people and was like, hey, do you know where Kevin is? And they're like, no. And we started talking and they're like, oh, do you want to come to this bar with us? And I was like, sure. So I like hung out with this random group of people at a bar thinking that they were Kevin's friends that right. I was supposed to meet. So I'm like eating up everything they're saying. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, thinking they're speaking in code. That was also the weekend when I started knocking on people's doors in my apartment complex 
thinking that Kevin had planted them. I thought Kevin was living in my apartment complex. Wow. But I start knocking on people's doors, asking them if I could see their apartment, which ended up getting me in a lot of trouble later. There was one girl, like I like knocked on her door and we like smoked together and watched SpongeBob. I was very polite to these people, but they were probably just like, who is this random girl? That's not something you do in an apartment complex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the night that landed me in the psych ward, the second time i'm in my bath of course and i hallucinate that there's someone i have my shower curtain closed and i hallucinate that there's like someone like on the other side of the shower curtain that's scary i put my hand out and i think i feel like a hand this all sounds like a horror movie and you're just like yep it's all like (laughs) you're like playing playing into it instead of running away from it yeah i was in a good mood and having a good time this whole entire time like having full hallucinations and thinking someone's in my apartment yeah so i opened the curtain expecting him to be there and he's not and i literally scream i'm like kevin where are you yeah and so i run out of my apartment complex i just put a jacket on no shirt throw on some pants put on like these slippers don't grab my phone, wallet, or keys even. Leave my door unlocked and run out. Looking back, it was like, it's almost like you're hollow on the inside and like all you feel is the outside. I don't know if that makes sense. Wow. I brought a speaker with me with music playing because I thought that I was going to have a, does it say anything when they hold yeah, up the yeah, speaker yeah. at the end of the yeah. movie? I thought I was very romantic throughout all of this. Like I thought I was going to have a, a this reunion with this guy. I walk out of my apartment and I'm like running down the street. And I think that I see him like duck under a car. There was this street lamp covering this these branches. And the branches looked like white antlers. And there was a door in my apartment complex that had a white reindeer on the door. And I was like, that's the sign. That's actually his apartment. And I dropped my speaker and I just never felt more like awestruck. I'm like, this is God. This is real. I took that as a sign to like keep running. I see a homeless person cart when they stack all their stuff together. Yeah. And I see suitcases in it. So another part of this is I think Kevin's going to whisk me away somewhere. And during the first proposal, I thought that I I was... I should go to the airport. Like I told the guy driving me that I'm like, I need to go to the airport. During this weekend, I actually did get in a taxi, go all the way to the airport and it was going to take a flight out anywhere. But luckily there were no flights out. It was like 1030 at night and there oh were like no God. more flights. But I was just, I was going to take a flight and just go. Yeah. So I see the suitcases and I'm like, oh, he pa- already packed my suitcases. He bought me a bunch of stuff. And I like open it and think, I don't know if this was like, like the power of God or something <laughs> like that, but I'm like, Something, I feel like something on my, on my ear. It was like this really cold breeze and it like turns me around. And I think that's him. Like, I think he just touched my ear. And I give him like the powers of like Usain Bolt, like how fast right. I think he is. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, he just ran away. Yeah. I ended up going thinking I'm following him to this garage complex at a hospital. I think that all of the cars in there are plants are like him that he bought me all of these cars. Wow. That's That was the theme from the first one, first proposal. I thought that there were all these cars for me. I thought, like, it started with this car that had, like, this weird note on it. And so I think all these cars are for me because there's this, like, like weird note on the garage door that's, like, the owner of this garage just bought two floors for a, his a patient's outpatient therapy. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Kevin. He bought the two floors of yeah. this garage complex for my, cause I was supposed to get outpatient therapy. Right. right. 
and I like pick up the note and like I'm like walking around this apartment garage like trying to open a bunch of car doors. That was a big theme. I was tr- constantly trying to open car doors. Oh my! Thank God, God people lock their car doors. And I'm walking around looking for that and I'm, I'm like fed up. I'm like, where are you, Kevin? I've been looking for you. I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. I decide to pull the fire alarm <gasps> as like my like, I'm going to find you. I'm giving up. Oh, no. Yeah. So I pull the fire alarm. And in that moment, I felt like the Joker. Like I was like walking throughout the parking garage fire alarm going off like hands open my hair is still wet i'm like not wearing a shirt i just have this jacket on and i'm like i'm like this is it this is like my final moment like i'm gonna find this guy it's okay if i pull the fire alarm because he owns the garage right and then i get really fed up and i'm like all these cars are for me so i see a car where i think i see one of my necklaces in it i'm like that's the car i'm supposed to get into I'm like, he wants me to break into that car. So I find a fire extinguisher and I just start banging on the car with it. Thank the heavens. I am weak and I'm not, and I'm not like very strong because I didn't cause any damage to the car. Wow. But that's when the, the security come in and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and you're like, don't worry, um, Kevin needs me to get into this car. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're part of it. And then the police come. And the fire department come, and I think that's all part of it. And they're there to watch this amazing girl. Also, something I did before this was I was having these, like, delusions. I have a very active imagination, if you can't tell <laughs> by all of this. But I was having these delusions that Kevin was, like, orchestrating all of these, like, this parade for me, almost, of people. That he was orchestrating people in this arena for me to perform at that he got all these celebrities behind it that I was like becoming this secret celebrity that I wasn't supposed to know about but he right. was like getting people together so I think that's part of this I think that they're like all they've all heard my music I think that they're all now huge fans of me I think they all have heard my theories this extreme grandiose thinking and this delusional thinking I remember I was sitting there with the police around me and the fire department around me and a police officer comes in and it's like a cute police officer. <laughs> and I think that's Kevin. I'm like, Oh my God, Kevin's a cop now. And when he was like trying to handcuff me, I was like leaning back on him, trying to hold his hand. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> they, they know that it's like a mental health issue, right? Like you're. Yeah. I got very lucky and had very nice police officers every single time this happened because I also had in my pocket a, a bottle of my medication. Wow. They were able to see like, oh, they're like, this is definitely a psych thing. And then I got taken to the emergency room. And again, I think it's totally planted. I think that it's all a plan. I think that this is part of my proposal yet again. And that's how I wound up in the psych ward the second time. And this uh. place was much nicer. They had a the menu of food you could choose from, which I really oh, liked. that is nice. Yeah. <laughs> And the therapy was nice. But again, I was super high functioning. I knew not to talk about Kevin to the psychiatrist. Oh, no. I was still fully delusional. And I met a kid in the psych ward that I, like, bonded with really quickly. He was, like, full on board with my delusions. Oh, like, yeah. he thought he could communicate with Kevin, too. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. So that's so, just furthering you like, believing. Yeah, please stop talking to the other patients. <laughs> I know. Because I, I, my roommate at the time also was the same thing. Like I taught her my theory. 
she thought that like things in my room were being planted by him too. Right. And then after that psych ward, I would maybe lasted three days. I think I lasted like one or two days longer before ending up in the psych ward again. And so they're letting you out because you're so convincing, right? Yeah. And I don't, and the second time I thought I was there because of my anxiety, which I do have anxiety. Yeah. But like nothing that was like super bad. They think that, I remember him telling me, he's like, you'll never have to go into a psych ward ever again. Don't worry. Like the psychiatrist telling me that. Oh, wow. Yeah. They think that I'm aware. I know about my psychosis. I only met with the psychiatrist. You only meet the psychiatrist like 10 minutes a day. Oh, wow. Like, it's not like a full analysis or anything like that. Yeah. So what gets you into the psych ward for the third time? (laughs) This time is when I'm probably the most loony. Like, I'm definitely the most, consuming the most weed, too. Right. Because it's legal in Chicago. You can just get it at a dispensary, and it's super easy. And I think I have unlimited money. Might as well just keep buying it. And this time was interesting, because I ended up meeting up with one of the kids from the psych ward. Oh, no. The one who thought he could communicate with kevin yeah when you're in the psych ward you're obviously not smoking yeah did anything change when you're not smoking or no i was definitely more i was less like manic i would say overall i wasn't as like crazily doing things right but my delusions were still just as strong as ever right and when i would get out i would smoke weed and my tolerance had obviously gone down because i would go like seven ten days without smoking right so i would just get mega high when i would get out and the night I got out, I ended up letting my mom pick me up from the psych ward and then drop me off in Chicago. I'm sure that was just like the most nerve wracking thing to oh, do. Oh, God. Yeah. Because they were just, we can't force her to do anything. Yeah. She's an adult at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. And they're like, well, maybe she'll be fine. Like she's, I was medicated. Right. But the medication wasn't fully, I wasn't at a therapeutic level apparently. Right. So I get out and I started smoking weed immediately. Like I had my pen with me. I literally smoked weed like before I even got home, like outside the car when my mom was taking me back. So I get back and you're not supposed to exchange personal information with people in the psych ward. And there's a reason because then stuff like this happens. Yeah. So I text this kid and he tells me he's homeless. He was very religious and all about communicating with God, that he knew the Bible page, the cover to cover. We bonded because he believed me and he believed he was the chosen one. And therefore I believed I was also the chosen one. He ended up coming over that night and I let him spend the night at my place. It was completely platonic. Yeah. But we just had these conversations about like God and like how we were like, this like magical pair and like how we were destined to find each other and we were going to save like the world and stuff like that like it was like this magic fling and him and i ended up having this like rendezvous of we go to like coffee shops together i can't even imagine what people hearing our conversation would have been like yeah we ended up going to ikea together and i like (laughs) bought like a ton of stuff i was very generous with this kid i would buy him things because he told me he was homeless i even gave him my old cell phone oh no so yep yep and i did not get that back i never got it back yeah he stole it because he didn't have like service i was like oh i'll give you my old phone so i can communicate with you but he's he grandiosed me he's like you are the american girl like you are what's going to save america like it's because of your music because of you you like your caringness your 
business savvy. He told me, he's like, oh, everyone knows the name of Madeline. Oh. Everyone knows about you. People know about you. Yeah. He was like, I communicate with Kevin too. I know that he's your savior. I was not religious before all of this. I was in the sense of like, I was communicating, I thought I was communicating with God and stuff like that. But like, I wasn't... That wasn't like the bulk of my delusions were more about Kevin, but like his were all about Jesus and God and being like the chosen one, which is a really common delusion right? in mania and psychosis. So him plus me was just like this like explosion of grandiosity. It was like two addicts hanging out with each other. Yeah, right. So the things that led me into the psych ward were first, it was like a waterfall of a few things. I had a few run-ins with the police. <laughs> the first one was I was at a grocery store with a little cafe in it and I'm like sitting down writing and I'm writing like crazy things in my notebook. I'm writing, I don't, I don't even remember, like I'm writing like my friend's old Twitter handle for some reason thinking I'm writing, rewriting like the Bible. Oh no. Like from her perspective. Oh, I thought I rewrote the Bible multiple times. Amazing. I'm sitting there and I look around and I think I start to see people get in you know in like a musical number when people get in their first position yeah i'm looking around and i think i see people getting in their first position getting ready for a, a, a musical number oh god i get up and i start to dance like i get up and do an arabesque from my table and i like start to dance around the grocery store and like people were trying to grab me and i like moonwalked away from them <laughs> Like just the general public were trying to grab you? Store owners or like the security. Yeah. I was also shouting. It was like a thank you speech. I was like, thank you to all the people I used to babysit for. Thank you to all my advertising people. Thank you to all my friends. I thought everyone was planted and I was supposed to be doing that. Yeah. And so I got the police called on me. I got home somehow. I ended up like passing out like in the hallway. I don't really remember exactly what happened, but I got back to my room. Then I left my room. I was wearing like a sports bra and leggings and I left my room and then opened up someone's door (gasps) and went into their apartment because their door was unlocked. Yeah. And then I got the police called on me again because I scared the crap out of this woman. Yeah. I bet she'll never leave her door unlocked ever again. (laughs) That's her lesson. She's like, I only did that once. Yep. I got the police called on me and they take me to the emergency room. Again, I think it's all planted. I think that I'm, oh, a big part of this kid was like, it was all this Russia delusion. Like he thought I was Anastasia from Russia. Like that. And like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I was a long lost princess. And he thought he was like the heir to like the Russian throne because he was adopted from Russia. I think it's part of like, they're redoing my identity. I remember saying all the wrong names for people because I thought like it was about them sending me to russia i'm in the i'm in the emergency room and they let me out they didn't take me to the psych ward they like let me walk home no yeah they labeled it as being too high essentially so really high and then that night oh so after i was dancing around the grocery store i basically went on what i thought was my own personal parade I had two people follow me out of the grocery store that were just normal people who i think were just concerned about me thinking i was not okay yeah but i walked around the neighborhood with these people shouting thank you at people yet again and i threw my phone into the street i was like i don't need this anymore i discovered telepathy and i threw my phone into the street that night i ended up going out to this jazz club i thought i met god at this jazz club which just being like i would i had this would happen to me a lot it would it was like something was controlling my body 
and I would almost zone out and my body would just be doing things. And it made me like dance. That's what was the grocery store. It was like making me dance at the grocery store. It made me dance at this club. It made me like take a kid's hat off and be really flirty with someone that I didn't want to be flirty with. It made me like high five and like fist bump a bunch of people. Like I went around that club because I thought I got inducted to a secret society and like high five and fist bump everyone who worked there. All these like super embarrassing, cringy things I did. Like they're not even like harmful. They're just like, oh, well now I have that memory forever. (laughs) Yeah. And how I landed in the psych ward was the next morning after I danced at the grocery store, after I was weird at a bar, I was walking around my apartment complex yet again, looking for people to interact with or thinking that everyone's planted. Yeah. And I knock on these people's door because I, I hear their TV and I'm like, oh, that's a sign I'm supposed to go in. As anytime I thought I heard noise outside of a door, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to interact with this. This is this Kevin. It was like a game. It was like, Every room was a different portal. And I go into, I go to this piece people's apartment. Oh, no. They let me in. I remember one of the guys was in his underwear. And they're like, uh, what is going on? And I was like, oh, I just wanted to see what you guys were watching. And then, like, immediately I'm in there. And the kid that answers the door has a mask on. And his eyes look the same as Kevin's eyes. Oh, so, no. Oh, Lord. At this point, I thought that Kevin had developed a way to mind control other people. Yeah. Again, I think this is all part of this very, I add layers and layers to this very elaborate proposal. Right. And so the guy looks like Kevin and I'm like, oh my God, this is Kevin's apartment. I finally reached it. And I like walk in and I'm like, oh my God, Kevin. And they're probably like so confused. Like, why is this girl walking around our apartment saying this guy's name? And I think that, Kevin is controlling one of the dudes, the dude who looks like Kevin. And I think my best friend, Zach, is controlling the other guy because the guy's in his underwear. And yeah. I like my friend's always in his underwear. <laughs> so I was like, oh, obviously, that's obviously I like sit down on their bed and they're like, you have to leave. They're like, you need to get out. I'm like, no, I don't need to get out. And they're like, yes, you do. One of them shouted, they're like, get out. And I was just like, oh, at that, that when he shouted at me, I was a little bit like, oh, God, I need to get out. But then very quickly, it was like, no. Like, this is all part of this. And they're like, we're going to call the police. And I was like, okay, call the police. I'm like, do it. Call the police. You're like, I know the police. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I know the police. I want them to come. I'm like, that's part of this. And I'm refusing to leave. And the one guy ends up taking out a gun. Oh, my God. Yeah. And pulls it on me. And I'm like, he has a gun pulled on me. And I tell him, I'm like, you're really amazing. Like, you're such a good actor. Oh. Like, I think he's acting. Yeah. I think it's all part of, like, they're training him to be this, like, dramatic actor. They ended up, the police ended up leaving. They're, like, they, like, have a gun on me pointed the whole time. I remember them taking a picture of me, too. Oh, God. So, like, so they could show the police who yeah. I was. Yeah, I go back to my room, and I'm, like, oh, that was so whatever. I know what I'm supposed to do next. I'm supposed to get in the bath. So I, like, get undressed and wrap a towel around me, and then there's a knock at the door. I open the door. I'm in my towel. It's the police. Oh. And they're like, you got to come with us. And I was just like, oh, okay. So I like get dressed and happily go with them yet again. I go get into the emergency room again. And this time I find out I have COVID. Oh. Just to add to everything. And I ended up, so this was my last psych stay. And I ended up not even going to the psych ward. They just put me on the COVID floor of a hospital room. And I think this is what really got me out of it was because I hated being in the hospital room. 
it wasn't fun at all like the sideboards were and i didn't have anyone to interact with yeah so the night before i had emailed kevin again and i called him from the psych ward he had gotten an attorney oh god from um his workplace to reach out to my mom who then reached out to the hospital or gave him the hospital number and the hospital like the social workers were like hey someone are you contacting this guy named kevin i'm like oh yeah i'm like i'm engaged to him they're like you can't be contacting him his attorney just reached out and because of your mental condition we were able to like protect you from any kind of any kind of restraining order or anything like that that was like the first domino in like breaking me out of my delusions because i was like okay if kevin's not real then right then what what? i had a really good psychiatrist at this place who actually took time to like really understand what was going on mm-hmm. and he first started with telling me that like, the russia thing wasn't real like that i wasn't like i think i'm going into this hospital thinking that uh, they're going to give me a new passport and redo my identity and take me away to russia right and i think like the whole russian thing going on it was like the time when the ukraine all that <laughs> stuff was going oh, God, on yeah and i think they're taking me there because i like watch it on the news taking me there to be safe from that i remember him saying to me that isn't real and i'm like what yeah because you trust this guy right right? yeah and he was really nice and he was really on my side right and he knew i was smart he knew that like i could outsmart like i was not outsmarting people but he knew that i was very convincing then after that stay is when i ended up finally decided told my mom i'm like you know what mom I'm getting in a lot of trouble in Chicago, so I'm going to come home to Wisconsin with you. And then after I got home, it was like the slow, it was the most horrifying feeling in the entire world. Oh, like yeah. Coming out of this and realizing that like months and months of what I thought was real wasn't real. And that also that I basically not only cut off my family and said terrible things about my family. Yeah. Told everyone they were abusers. I quit my job. I didn't want to quit. Because what about the new job? Had you been back to it or? So I was, luckily it was like, I started that job in December. So there wasn't like, it was kind of light because it was during the holidays. So I could still work. But the day I went in the psych ward, I told them like, hey, I have a family emergency. And the new year, my friend ended up sending them a message being like, hey, Maddie's in the hospital. And I ended up actually, I talked to them in the middle of January, like right after my second psych ward stay. And they're like, okay, we're going to give you two weeks of unpaid time off, Ooh. which was nice. Yeah. They, and they gave me two weeks of paid time off before that. Oh, wow. Too. And I was still fully delusional when I was talking to them, but, I, but it ended up working out to be fine. And then they were really nice about me returning back to work and gave me really light workload. But yeah, I was really depressed for a really long time. And now I'm like back at baseline, I would say. And yeah. I can talk about my experiences, make jokes about them. And are you consistently seeing a therapist and you're on medication? Yeah, I'm medicated. I I get I take a Bilify and I get like an injection once a month instead of the pills. Oh, oh wow. I'm also on yeah, it's pretty nice. I'm also on antidepressants and I see a psychiatrist once I now see once every other month, not once a month now. Oh great. And I see a therapist. Yeah. Wow. Have you been able to repair a lot of the relationships? not Kevin, but like your friends, your family to like, they understand what was happening. Yeah. Every single one of my friends and all of my family, like the only one that I haven't been able to prepare, repair relationship with with my ex, but he's my ex. Yeah. 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 But everyone else has been super understanding. No one has held anything I did against me. I cut off like a lot of my friends, like a lot of good friends. Yeah. 
And do you worry now about the re- what reality is because it was such a real experience? I feel like I would constantly be questioning if something was real. If you're questioning reality, that means that you are in reality because I didn't oh, question okay. reality once. Yeah. Oh, that's because it was fully real. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's a good perspective. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And this was your first, like you hadn't grown up with mental health issues. Like you were like a neurotypical person growing up to this point. Yeah. I mean, I have ADHD and I definitely had like, I was emotional. I was, had issues as a teen, but my dad had just died. I had had anxiety, but it was, again, it was nothing that ever, nothing even like close to this. Yeah. And have you stopped smoking now? Yeah. I have to be completely my psychiatrist doesn't even want me to touch CBD. Yeah. And that's interesting that you have a family history of like sensitivity to to things that could have played a role mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. And I family history of bipolar. This came from nowhere. Yeah. And it was such it, it's even rattles me to this day like knowing that I could live independently since I was 18 in Chicago like Right. Never had any major health. I was in a relationship. I worked a high stress very successful job i have always had consistent friends like nothing that like indi- like that would like point to this at all yeah wow and are you concerned about any sort of like relapse or what's what do you have to do day to day now to keep yourself from relapsing i think the big thing for me is obviously not smoking and right. then i didn't like wasn't like super good at like self care before all of this mm-hmm. and I was in a relationship that, like, wasn't good. Yeah. That wasn't serving my best self. Right. I know to not ever let that happen again. And then sleep is really important. Mm -hmm. Stress levels are really important. And also just honoring myself. My mom keeps saying, well, maybe this was a sign that you need to write for yourself more, that you need to dance more, that you need to be yourself more. And what was the decision to bring your story to a more public platform? Like you had said, you weren't really on social media a lot before this. And now you're talking about it so openly on TikTok and Instagram and you're writing a book. It started as just like I needed to get it out. I needed to do it to make myself feel normal. It originally started as a way to just explain to my family and friends what happened. Right. I was like, this. I touched so many people with this. I brought in so many people. I told so many people that my family was abusive and that this was going on. I'm like, I need to explain to these people that what has been going on. Right. And then it turned into like, it felt really good to do that and have people comment that they've been through the same thing. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I feel way less alone when I do this. Yeah. Wow. We're going to have to have you back once your book is ready. Because I think that's so interesting to have a book from that first person perspective of your experience is incredible. Yeah. I hopefully have me I have no idea I've never written a book before yeah I'm not even gonna say I hope I haven't done it at this point but it's been a really healing practice to to write about it and then to also just listen to what I went through like from a firsthand point of view yeah do you feel like you don't even recognize that person when you're listening to the voice memos and you're listening or you're reading the text messages is it like who is this person yeah it doesn't even sound like me like my voice inflection sounds completely different like I talk it's almost like higher. And my family says, they're like, you didn't even look like yourself. Wow. Like the expressions you were making, I've never seen you make before. And that my pupil pupils were dilated. 
yeah. like the whole time. And just like the way the words I used were not words that I would normally use. That's so interesting. Yeah, you never really hear a lot about people's manic episodes. So publicly talking about all these things that you felt were 100% real, but you were fully in psychosis. To think about how that would feel when you've never experienced it would be so interesting. And it's so important that you're sharing your experience with people. Yeah, I'm sharing it because I don't see the representation out there. Yeah. Like I've never, there's no one, there's not a TV show character that's accurately represented. And three in a hundred Americans will experience psychosis in their lifetime. So that's 3% of people, which is millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. And then like over 6 million people have bipolar disorder in America. Like it's not, it's rare to go into psychosis. That's not like super common, but it's still common enough that it happens to people that deserve representation. Absolutely. And I think it's a good lesson too for people maybe they'll never experience psychosis but what to look for and Mm -hmm. your family and friends didn't know what to do and they were I think the best thing is that they all formed around you to say okay we know something is happening but even to the people in the store that followed you out I think one of our instincts is just to ignore it and not pay attention that's probably the opposite of what that person needs at the time yeah my goal is to have people look at those people with empathy instead of people make fun of those kind of people and don't really understand that there's I wrote this line because someone lose their loses their mind doesn't mean they don't have a mind right like there's someone underneath like I lost my mind yeah I was that crazy person in the street and I'm a young normal you know what I mean like yeah like otherwise healthy yeah Yeah. and I think I got away with what I did because I look like a normal person yeah and a lot of those people don't have that luxury yeah I'm also like I have privilege being like a white woman yeah too yeah if different circuit like who knows how it could have gone with the police yeah in different circumstances absolutely Oh my gosh. And just how yeah. many times you should have ended up dead. There were so many yeah. things either from frostbite to like people with bad intentions. I'm so thankful that you are so candid and open and honest. And it's such a unique perspective that I think more people need to hear. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. It's sharing my story is helps me so much. Like every time I get to share it, and I shared pretty much the whole thing with you guys. Yeah. So, and there's there's even like more that I, that's why I had to, I feel like I had to write the book because I'm like, yeah. there's just so much that yeah. happened. And my brain had so many layers of different things. Yeah. But anytime I get to share the story, it helps me heal. Yeah. So yeah. thank you so much for offering to have me on here because it, this has been a healing experience for me as well. Oh, thank awesome. you. And I'm so, I looked at the time and yesterday I was like, oh, we record for like an hour max, but now it's almost <laughs> been two hours. So I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I listen. I had a lot to say. Yeah, so that totally was great. Understand. Yeah, <laughs> Maddie, thank you so much. I hope you have a great day, and I look forward to chatting with you soon and following your journey. Absolutely, awesome. Thank you so much. I'll tag you in all of our posts, and I'll put in the show notes. But where is the best place to follow your story? On TikTok, I'm Madeline M A D E L I N E M F Mary, which was a psychosis name that I just kind of kept. Oh no. <laughs> I was all about Madeline MF Mary. That was like my artist name. Like what's oh, MF? Okay. Like m- uh, like mother effer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I little segment. I thought I was the reincarnation of Mary. Oh, okay. that's yeah. So Madeline, mother freaking Mary, yeah. like mother Mary. And then it was gonna be like a rock album. <laughs> this was awesome. Awesome. Ooh, all right. We'll talk soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> hey, Carling. I just had to interrupt your beautiful... My uh, little sing song. Scatting? Sc- is that yeah. what it's called? Scatting? 
It is called scatting, but mm. I don't like that because there's like another. That. There's another. Isn't that poop? Yeah, like scat. that's like scat is like wild animal animal. Droppings. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> or a jazz vocalist. There we go. Scatting it. Scatting yeah. it up. Scuba doop 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 Thank you. Yes. Thank so you much. so much. It was so funny because she asked just, she's, oh, how long typically does recording take? And I was like, oh, like 45 minutes to an hour. We're pretty efficient. Yeah. And we talked to her for almost two hours. I know. So Because crazy. her story was so wild and interesting. Yes. And yeah. So I appreciate Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny because since then I've seen a couple of TikToks where it's like someone who is like, I feel great. I have energy. I'm working until 3 a.m. I'm doing all these things. And then they realize that they're having like, like a psychosis. Episode or- like a yeah, manic yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. Like yeah. How the brain works and. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I hope everybody has a great Father's Day and I hope your dad is alive and well. And if he's not, same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he's not, yeah, same. Just well, get my a cake. dad is still alive and well, but yes. I'm not going to give you a piece of our cake then. Oh, that's I'm true. I'm going to get a cake a dead dad. that says, sorry, your dad's dead. And only those with dead dads are going to be able to participate. So you and Aww. Lindsay's kids are going to have to have something else. <laughs> <laughs> That is so funny. Oh, it's going to get loud. Okay, I'm going to say goodbye. Everybody follow us on social media. I did not sign up for this. Join our Patreon and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye. 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 The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.